Good morning and welcome to Broxton United Methodist Church on this Ascension Sunday. And if you're not familiar with what that means or what that term is, we'll, uh, we'll get to that in just a second. But I do want to welcome you, uh, whether you are a member, whether you are a regular attender, whether you are an irregular attender, a family member, friend, whatever, whatever your connection may be to Broxton United Methodist, uh, Oak Grove United Methodist, Mary's Chapel United Methodist, Appreciate you guys joining here. Uh, as, I, as I've been telling you these last several weeks, I truly, truly miss each and every one of you. I pray for you by name uh, uh, so, so very frequently. And, um, and, and my heart is with you wherever you may be. I also want to welcome our visitors. Um, over these last couple of months, as I, as I have continued to mention, we get a lot of visitors checking us out on the internet with these services, with these, with these, with these lessons, uh, with these teachings. Check it out what Brock United Methodist is all about, and that's encouraging to me. And uh, if you're out there, if this is your first time visiting, visiting with us online or, or second or even your tenth time, thanks again for joining us. And uh, we, are, we are just absolutely elated that you have chosen to worship and be with us this morning. In the way of announcements, and I do have several, so y'all, you guys kind of bear with me a little bit. Um, we have talked about our plans to return to uh, some form of uh, in-person worship services. I discussed that with you a little bit last week, and uh, I want to continue that right now and, and let you know what, what, what's in store thus far, and, and no, we have not gotten very far, um, but I have asked several people to, uh, to help me out with this in so far as the planning goes and, and, and how, we're going to, how we're going to model our worship services and what we're going to do, what we're not going to do, and uh, preparation for safety precautions and, and, uh, and, those, and those types of things, and we are going to be getting together... Uh, probably next week uh, for the first time and uh, start discussing these things uh, you know how we're going to go about doing this when we're going to be doing going about doing this i will tell you again that uh, more than likely our our first in-person gathering whatever that may look like uh, will not be until either june 21st or june 28th at the absolute earliest um, but those are the dates that we do have to look forward to and i am looking forward to it i ask you guys to continue to hold Hold us together in prayer, those who are making these decisions and, and trying to do what's best for God's God's kingdom and what's best for, for of course, for our church and, and for our community. Uh, as always, like I've been doing the last couple months, I want to remind you of all the online ministries that we do have, and there are multiple ones. Uh, of course, we have our Facebook page, and that is Broxton United Methodist Charge. Broxton United Methodist Charge. We have a Facebook group. Uh, for our church members, church family, church friends, anybody anybody connected to Broxton United Methodist, anybody who, who would like to learn more about Broxton United Methodist, and that is Broxton UMC family. And uh, that, that's there for, for encouragement. That's, that's, that's there to uh, keep in communication, keep in contact, and, uh, and just raise one another up. It's there for prayer requests. We got a wonderful, wonderful prayer request from one of our members this last week, and, and a, lot of, a lot of folks responded to it, and I was very much encouraged by that. So once again, uh, that's Broxton UMC Family on Facebook. Go to the little search bar. If you're not a member already, type in Broxton UMC Family. Hit the little join group button and we will get you in there. Also, of course, if you're watching this uh, at our 11 a.m. time here on Sunday, May 24th, you are watching us on YouTube. So you're very aware that we do have a YouTube channel. Uh, if you're not aware, if you're watching this on Facebook or some other outlet, we do have a YouTube channel. And you can find us simply at Broxton United Methodist Church. Go to YouTube, type in the search bar, Broxton United Methodist Church, and it'll pull us right up. And we've got a number of videos posted, uh, especially over the last couple of months, for you guys to check out. 
Uh, our website, broxtonumc.wordpress.com. Broxtonumc.wordpress.com. That is our website. It's got some more information about our men, our ministries, who we are. Uh, we've got a blog on it. We got well, we have other videos. Uh, so make sure you go that go there and kind of check that out as well. And also we have a prayer course, an ongoing prayer course uh, through Facebook, and that is called the Prayer Course at Broxton UMC. The Prayer Course, little at symbol at Broxton UMC. And if you're not a part of that, again, like I did last week, I really, really encourage you to be a part of that. We've got some great conversation going on, some great, some great lessons, and and I assure you that anybody, anybody, whether you're a novice at prayer, whether you're uncomfortable at prayer, or whether you've been praying for years, um, this will, this I assure you will help you in your relationship with Christ, with it, with your relationship with God, and, and extending and expanding and increasing your prayer life. So please consider joining that if if you haven't done so already. Other announcements, like I mentioned, today is Ascension Sunday. It's, it's the day, it is the Sunday in our church that we recognize the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ following his resurrection. Uh, we actually celebrate Ascension Day on the Thursday prior to this Sunday because that falls on the 40th day of Easter. It is the 39th day after, uh, after Easter Sunday, which makes it the 40th day of the Easter season. And that actually falls on Thursdays. And uh, that, that's, that's when we celebrate again the ascension of our Lord into heaven, uh, following, following his resurrection and following his appearance to, uh, to disciples and, and many, many, many others. So that's the day we have, we have set aside in the Christian year. Many Christians across, across the globe celebrating that today along, along with us. Also, within the United Methodist Church, we've got a couple other uh, celebrations going on. This is also a day that's set aside to recognize or to celebrate what we refer to as Aldersgate Day and also as Heritage Sunday. Now, these, these two are not the same, but they are, they are kind of related. Uh, Aldersgate Alders Day recalls, the, uh, recalls what we in the Methodist Church remember as John Wesley's heart being strangely warmed. And what this is, if you're not familiar with the Methodist Church or, or Wesleyan theology or churches, John Wesley is generally recognized as the founder or the, or the beginner of, uh, of Methodism, of this movement that we called Methodism back, back in the late 7th or 18th century. And uh, he, was an Anglican, he was an Anglican priest. And the re what happened on, why we celebrate Aldergate's, Aldergate's Day is Aldersgate Day was a time in John Wesley's life when he was kind of feeling down and out. And he happened to attend this meeting in Aldersgate, London. It was a meeting of, uh, of Moravians, Moravian Christians. And during this meeting, uh, uh, while, while listening to a reading, John Wesley described, describes himself as having had a true uh, salvific, if you will, moment with God. A point where he, called, he said that his heart was strangely warmed and that he, uh, he, was, he was assured at that time. That he is that he had received salvation, that he had the love of Christ through nothing else but his, but his faith in Jesus, and it was a very very momentous occasion for John's life, and one that we well well, well remember over 250 years later in the Methodist Church, and we recall that today, we commemorate that today, and we also commemorate Heritage Sunday at the Methodist Church, United Methodist Church, and that's just a time when we recognize all of the early Methodist leaders who who came before us and and, and helped not just found this movement but but began. And 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 uh, and initiate and really and really drive this movement through uh, through Europe and through the United States and, and and eventually of course throughout the globe 
where you remember some of the early Methodists in, in, uh, in, in the United States, folks like Thomas Koch and Francis Asbury. So once again, these, these, this day is, is set aside for those purposes. Uh, we remember John Wesley, remember our early Methodist brothers and sisters, and of course, on Ascension Sunday, we recall the glorious ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ into heaven, immediately following his resurrection. If you will, take a moment and pray with me. Almighty and merciful God, Lord, in a time of great need, you raised up your servants, John and Charles Wesley. And by your spirit, you inspired them to kindle a flame of sacred love, which leaped and ran an inextinguishable blaze. Grant that all whose hearts have been warmed at the altar fires, being continually refreshed by your grace, may be so devoted to the increase of scriptural holiness throughout this land that in our, our time of great need, that your will may fully and effectively be done on earth as it is in heaven. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And if you have your Bible this morning, we are going to be taking... We looked at... We looked at uh, at, at some scripture out of the Gospel of John last week, and we're going to be looking at some scripture out of the Gospel of John this week as well. Uh, specifically, John chapter 17. The 17th chapter of the Gospel of John, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11. So if you have a Bible with you or you have a Bible app, any kind of access to scripture, I encourage you to follow along. So again, uh, 17th chapter of the Gospel of John, Verses 1 through 11, and I'm going to be reading from a paraphrased Bible. This is, uh, this is the message translation, and I use, I use this pretty frequently, actually. Uh, but anyway, starting in, start in verse 1 of John chapter 17. It says, Jesus said these things, and then raising his eyes in prayer, he said, Father, it's time. Display the bright splendor of your Son, so the Son in turn may show your bright splendor. You put him in charge of everything human so he might give real and eternal life in his charge. And this is the and this is the real internal life. That they know you, the one and only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. I glorified you on earth by completing down to the last detail what you assigned me to do. And now, Father, glorify me with your own splendor, the very splendor that I had in your presence before there was a world. I spelled out your character in detail to the men and women that you gave me. They were yours in the first place. Then you gave them to me, and they have now done what you said. They know now, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that everything you gave me is firsthand from you. For the message you gave me, I gave them, and they took it and were convinced that I came from you. They believe that you sent me, and I pray for them. I'm not praying for the God-rejecting world, but for those that you gave me. For they are yours by right. Everything mine is yours, and yours is mine, and my life is on display in them. For I am no longer going to be visible in the world. They'll continue in the world while I return to you. Holy Father, guard them as they pursue this life that you conferred as a gift through me, so they can be, one, be of one heart and mind as we are one heart and mind. And that is the word of God for the people of God, a very lengthy uh, lengthy, lengthy prayer there coming out of the mouth of our Savior Jesus Christ. Several things I want to talk about, or seven things, several things I want to highlight about this prayer uh, of Jesus, and several points that I that I want to pull out, and uh, and and then at the end of this, there's a there's a subject that I would like to uh, to uh, expound on just a little bit. But this is a prayer that this prayer is one that Jesus prays 
is uh, is recorded in the Gospel of John just prior to his arrest. God, John records these words um, of Jesus not too far not too far prior to his arrest. It is the longest recorded prayer of Jesus throughout the Gospels, and oftentimes it is referred to as Jesus's high priestly prayer. Jesus's high priestly prayer. Now, what does that mean? The reason that is often referred to this is because this particular prayer of Christ contains certain elements that of a prayer that a priest would have used when offering to God a sacrifice. It contains certain elements that a priest would have used. This prayer contains certain elements of, of priestly prayers that a priest would have used uh, when offering a sacrifice to God. So we recall that this was just prior to Jesus' crucifixion, and as such, he was offering himself as that sacrifice. Those elements that we've talked about would have been the elements of glorification, a remembrance of God's works, intercession on behalf of others, and a declaration of the offering itself. And of course, we see all of these throughout this prayer. We see Jesus asking for glorification. We see, particularly here in verses 1 through 5, Jesus talks about glorifying me, glorify me, Father, but he also talks about glorifying God. So he talks about glorification. In these scriptures, particularly 6 through 11, he intercedes for people. He prays, he prays play, prayers of intercession for the disciples. Later in this prayer, because we didn't even go through the entire prayer, but later in this prayer, you'll see or you'll find that Jesus prays intercessory prayers for the entire church. And of course, he makes himself uh, the sacrificial offering, or he makes that declaration of himself being that sacrificial offering. So that's why this is kind of called, kind of referred to sometimes as Jesus's high priestly prayer, because it contains all of these, all of these particular elements that a priest would have said or would have included when offering sacrificial prayers. And I want to point out something else to you in these verses, and that is the Trinitarian speech that Jesus uses. If you recall, last week we talked a little bit about the Trinitarian speech that Jesus used in John chapter 14. And you see a lot of this in these chapters in John, particularly in the, in the ones that we're going through right now, is, is Jesus uses this speech and he reminds us, he reminds us of the doctrine of, of the Trinity. And, and it's, a, it's a primary Christian doctrine, one that generally all of us, all of us who would fall under that orthodox uh, uh, label um, subscribe to. Um, it, it's, it's a part of 2,000 years of church history, and that is the understanding that God, God is three persons in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That is, that is, that is what we call Trinitarian theology. In these verses, what you see again, just as we did saw last week, is you see Jesus using some of this Trinitarian language. He uses some of this Trinitarian language. Very, very viewable in verses 1 through 5. Actually, I'm going to I'm going to reread those real quick, just just so we pick up pick up on that, because this is so very very important when it comes to Christian doctrine that we understand these things, and that we and that we visualize and that we're able to see why we believe the things that we believe a lot of times, and it's because Jesus actually said these things. He used this language. He he described uh, the 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 the, uh, the idea of of God in three God in three persons. And he says things like he says things like this. Jesus Christ, whom you sent, I glorify, and in Jesus Christ, whom you sent, I glorified you on earth by completing down the last detail what you assigned me do, assigned me to do. And now, 
Father, glorify me with your own splendor, the very splendor I had in your presence before there was a world. Going back to the top. Um, display the bright splendor of your sun so that the sun, in turn, may show your bright splendor. You put him in charge of everything human so he might give real and eternal life to all in his charge. Display the bright splendor of your sun so that the sun, in turn, may show your bright splendor. Do you see where he's using that, that Trinitarian language? I think last week he talked a lot. Jesus used the words a lot of the phrases a lot. Uh, the Father is in me, or I, I am in him, just as, in, as he is in me, that, that type of stuff. And it's just very interesting. It's very interesting to see, to see, to see the, the, the community, the community that is lived uh, with, within the Trinity and, and, and how God exists in three persons and how, how these three persons cooperate uh, to fulfill to fulfill the will of God. It's just to me. It's a very very cool doctrine and it, it's it, it's one that it's one that just really shows the awesomeness the true awesomeness of Christ and of the Holy Spirit and, and of the God that we serve So I want to focus again uh, Moving on on two focuses in, on these verses two concentrations that really that Jesus really emphasizes is uh, in these verses 1 through 11. First of all, we'll go back and we'll, we'll, we see that, that glorification is, is the primary content of verses 1 through 5. Glorification. Glorify me, Heavenly Father. Glorify yourself, Heavenly Father. Very, very important aspect of prayer in and of itself, but also the primary aspect, the primary theme that we see in those verses 1 through 5. primary thing that we see in 6 through 11 is Jesus interceding on behalf of the disciples. He's, he's, he's praying for his disciples there in verses 6 through 11. And there's two additional things that really stand out to me in these scriptures that I want, that I want to briefly hit on. One is the idea of eternal life. Eternal life. And that falls, uh, you'll find that in verse 3. And I'm going to go back and read that again. Actually, I'm going to read it from both from two different versions of the Bible. So chapter 17, verse 3. In the Message Bible, it's, it reads this way. You put him, him being Jesus, you put him in charge of everything human so he might give real and eternal life to all in his charge. And this is the real and eternal life, that they know you the one and only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. Let me repeat that one time because a, a, a surface reading on, on that, you probably won't pick up on it. So I'm going to read this very slowly again and, and, see, and see if you can pick up on what I'm getting at here. You put him in charge. You put Jesus in charge of everything human so that he might give real and eternal life to all in his charge. And this is the real and eternal life, that they know you, the one and only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. Now, here's, here's, here's how it reads in the New, New International Version. Starting in verse 2, it reads like this, For you granted him authority, you granted Jesus authority over all people, that he might give, etern that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now, this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. 
What I want to point out to you is that Jesus Christ gives us right here in these scriptures, right here in verse 3, a definition of eternal life. I think a lot of times we have a very, very narrow idea, a very, very narrow um, belief system in what eternal life is. We tend to want to, to, to want to keep that at the idea of, of heaven or, or what happens to us after we die. We believe that is, we believe a lot of times um, our, our belief system restricts us to, to that, to, to, to thinking that it, the idea or the definition of eternal life is the afterlife. What happens to us after we die? That is true. That is certainly true. But Jesus goes, it takes it a little bit further than that. The idea of eternal life is much bigger than what we give it credit for a lot of times. The idea of eternal life is much bigger than what we give it credit for. And, and Jesus talks about that and he describes that. And he gives us this glorious, glorious statement of the definition of what eternal life is right here in verse 3. This is eternal life. Jesus says that they know you, the only true God, and that they know Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is occurring to us as, as believers, as, as redeemed creatures, as disciples of Jesus Christ. Eternal life is a very, very present thing in our lives right now, that we know God and that we know Jesus and that we experience and that we have relationship with God and Jesus in the life that we have right now, in this present moment. How awesome, how awesome, how awesome of an idea that is. And we can be so very grateful that Jesus, that Jesus defines this, that he expresses this right here in these verses, that he shows us, that he shows us the, the glory of, of having that, of having that relationship and that community with, with Christ and with the Holy Spirit and, and with God in the here and now. We don't have to wait till we die. We don't have to wait for that. We can, we can have that relationship with them right now. We can, we can experience that peace that only Christ offers in the here and now. And that is part of what eternal life is. Also, verse 6. I also want to point this out to you real quick. Verse 6 in the NIV reads this. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out to the world. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. And the message translation reads this. And this is more, to me, this is more, it's simpler language, but it's also more accurate, more accurate uh, translation. Verse 6 in the message reads this. I spelled out your character in detail to the men and women that you gave me. I spelled out your character in detail to the men and women that you gave me. Make no mistake about this, folks. To know Jesus Christ is to know God. <laughs> That's my... That's my little bell here. Sorry about that. To know Jesus Christ is to know the character of God. And I love, love, love the way that the message utilizes that and, and, and translate that. Let me read it to you one more time. I spelled out my character in detail. I spelled out your character in detail to the men and women that you gave me. If the idea that of, of God's character that we have if the idea of God's character that we have does not match the character and the personality of Jesus Christ, of the Christ that we find in the gospel, it is not God who we are worshiping. Let me repeat that to you. If the God that we believe in, if the God that we pray to, if the God that we worship 
If his character, if his personality does not match that of the Christ of the Gospels, it is not God that we are worshiping. They are two in the same. They are inseparable. You cannot have, you cannot have Jesus Christ with, with one set of personality characteristics and God with another set. It cannot happen. And Jesus says that very, very plainly, very, very succinctly. If the God, let me put it to you this way. If the God you worship is not a God of love, it's not God that you're serving. If the main characteristic of God doesn't begin with love, it is not God that we are worshiping. Jesus could not be any clearer about this, and we need to understand that. I think that is a big mistake that we make a lot of times. We, a lot of times, we want to form God in our image. We want to form God in our image. We want God to dislike the same people that we dislike. We want God to have the same ideas that we have. and That type of thing. Understand this. God and Jesus are completely, completely inseparable. And that's something that we need to, we need to understand. And, and, and if we have an idea of God that, that, is, that, is, that is anything different than that which is presented to us as, as Christ of the Gospels, we need to we need to rethink that. We need to we need to seek God in prayer and 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 we need to we need to dive deeper deeper into those types of things. So that's why that's pretty much what I want to do to uh, point out to you within these scriptures. And I want to take a step back just a second and I, and I want to look at an overall theme here, and that is prayer. I want to talk about prayer and I want to talk about the fact that Jesus continues to be our model for prayer. It's very, very interesting to me, and it should be very, very interesting to most Christians, how much Jesus prays. And, and, and we find him, we find him praying throughout the gospels. We find him going off by himself a lot to, uh, to talk to the father, to, to seek the father in prayer. We see him on many occasions, of course, praying, praying with groups of people. Of course, we saw him in the day scripture, praying this long prayer of, of, of glorification and, and interceding for, for, uh, for, for the disciples and interceding for the church. Jesus was a person of prayer, and it, and it, and it, really, should, it really should increase our, our, our appreciation, maybe, but it should also in, in, increase our, our, um, our standing in awe of the fact that Jesus was a person of prayer. Now, if Jesus is the second person of the Trinity, you would think that he, you would think that he probably, you know, why does why Jesus got to do all this praying? Well, theologically, because Jesus was was also was also 100% human, he's 100% divine, he's also 100% human, so that may play into it a little bit. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus relies on God. Jesus relies on the Father. The two have this relationship. The two have this relationship, and Jesus is always always speaking with the Father. He's always going to the Father, uh, communing with the Father, seeking the Father's will. There are times when we even see Jesus as as expressing weakness. And that where his human side is probably coming out prior to his prior to his crucifixion, but Jesus relies on the Father and he has this awesome relationship with the Father. He tells us he introduces us to the idea of of the God the Father being Abba, Abba is what he calls him. And, and, and as many of us know, some of us don't know, uh, Abba is a is a very very uh, um, is a term that's very very intimate. It, it would have it would have denoted a a a much deeper intimacy with God than the Jewish people of that day would have known. Um, so this is the kind of relationship that they have, and, and it should really be astounding to us 
you know, if Jesus is seeking God in prayer, if Jesus is putting that much emphasis on his prayer life, which he does, shouldn't we be doing the same thing? Shouldn't we be doing the same thing? Because it seems like to me that Jesus is constantly in prayer. If we, if we, if we watch Jesus, if we watch his actions throughout the Gospels, throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see that Jesus has this constant, this almost constant communion with God. And he is, he is, he is again in this, in this almost, this constant position of prayer. And if Jesus does this so much, certainly, certainly shouldn't that serve as our model to have that same type of relationship, that same type of communion, the same type of communication with God the Father. Unfortunately, I don't think a lot of us do. I think a lot of us like, like to go to God in prayer when we need something, when we want something. We like to go to God in prayer with our, with our list. Uh, sometimes we go to God in prayer uh, with, a, with a list of how we're going to pray, for example. You know, if I say this right, maybe God will respond this way. Or, or, or again, we take a list to him. You know, these are the things that I need, God. Like, give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this. I'm in. Or maybe we pray in church. Um, but do we really have extensive, real, deep, meaningful, uh, relational prayer lives with God? And I don't say this to invoke any kind of guilt. I, I say this because, because, because Je again, Jesus is our model. Jesus is our model, and, and we should always be seeking to, 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 uh, to align ourselves, if you will, with the will of God, because that's what prayer really is all about in the end. It's more about aligning ourselves with God's will and having that, having that, open, line of, that open line of communication. We remember that verse uh, from Paul that says, pray without ceasing. We almost see that pretty much Jesus did that. Pretty much Jesus lived that. And, and I don't believe that's too tall of an order for us to live either. I don't think we're going to be engaged in formal, formal, you know, postured prayer. I'm not verbal prayer all the time. But what I do mean is I certainly believe it's possible for us to set aside, to, to lay aside all the distractions in our lives to the point where we can at least have an, have a, have an awareness, have an awareness of the presence of God with us at all times. Prayer is something that we have really stressed over the last several months at Brock's United Methodist, Oak Grove United Methodist, Mary's Chapel. It's something that we've stressed. It's something we've talked about a lot and, and becoming a people of prayer, becoming a, a church of prayer, a, a church and a, and a people, church, people, individuals, whose, whose, really whose primary work is that of prayer because that is our primary work. All this other stuff that we do is wonderful. All, the, all of these all of these uh, these uh, outreach programs and, 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 and things that we do, those are wonderful. But at the end of the day, our primary work begins and ends with prayer, being in contact with God, being in communication with God. That's who we are. That's who we were, we were created to be. And that is the model that Jesus gives us. And it, and it is hands down, hands down the most valuable tool that we have in our walk with Christ. But it's also, again, our primary work. And we see that in Jesus, and I encourage us all to model what we see in Jesus, to bring us into that will with God, to, to seek to do the will of the Father. Uh, something that we're going through right now, as a matter of fact, that I talked about earlier is something called the prayer course. It's something that we're doing online. We're doing it through Facebook, and there's a Facebook group. It's called the prayer course at Broxton UMC. The prayer course, little at symbol, 
Broxton UMC. And the way that we operate this is, uh, is, is we post a video lesson to it every, every Tuesday. Prior to, 6, prior to 6 p.m., I'll post a video lesson every Tuesday. And you'll go in and uh, you'll view that video lesson. There's a study guide that you can download. And there'll be some discussion questions. And we just talk with one another and we encourage one another um, to, to, uh, to increase our prayer life, to increase our, 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 uh, our wonderment, our awareness of God and, and of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, this particular course is based on this book. And I hope that's in focus. My, my camera tends to go in and out of focus. But it's a book called How to Pray. And it is what it says it is right there on the cover. A Simple Guide for Normal People by, by, by a guy named Peter Gregg. And, 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 and Peter bases this book off, uh, off of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus teaches us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And that's what Peter uh, bases this book on. And it's a wonderful, wonderful, simple book. And it's also a wonderful model for prayer. And uh, I want to introduce to you one, one thing that we're taught in this course, because even if you don't join the course, even if you don't participate, I think that it will help you in your prayer life. And that is to remember this, when you, when you go to God in prayer, when you, when you, when you seek those, those times apart, when you, those, those set aside times, when you're actually going to formally engage God in prayer, I want you to remember this acronym. And it's very simple. It's very simple. If you can pray, you can remember it. But the acronym is P-R-A-Y. Pray. P-R-A-Y. And it lays out a, a good foundation for us to remember when we when we're when we're approaching God in prayer. First thing that we the, the first thing that we look at is the P. We look at the P in prayer. P-R-A-Y. P. P stands for pause. A lot of times we want to rush into prayer with God because we are such a hurried and such a rushed and such a distracted people. We want, we, want to, we, want to, we want to get this conversation going and get it over with just as soon as possible. And that's not the way that we approach the, th the throne of God. That's not the way that we approach God. It doesn't, it doesn't put us in the right heart, and it doesn't put us in the right mindset to really be in the presence of God. So the first thing that we do in prayer is we practice the P. We pause. We pause. We find somewhere quiet, somewhere away from distraction, where we can sit down and, and not be interrupted. And we sit for however long it takes. Maybe it takes 20 seconds. Maybe it takes three minutes, five minutes, whatever. And we sit and we open our, we become aware of the presence of God. We open ourselves to the presence of God. And we open ourselves to be able to have this conversation with the Father. The second thing that we stress is the R, P-R. What does R stand for? R stands for rejoice and reflect. Rejoice and reflect. This is where we offer, this is where we offer glory. This is where we glorify God. There's a big word that we've used a lot in, in today's lesson. This is where we glorify God. We offer Him praise. Maybe we reflect, reflect, rejoice. Reflect, rejoice. I'm sorry, I think I said praise. But the R is rejoice or reflect. We rejoice um, in, in God's presence and we glorify Him. And perhaps we reflect and rejoice through the reading of, the, of one of the Psalms. A lot of the psalms are, are psalms of worship and, and glorification. So we glorify God, we rejoice, and, uh, and we praise and we worship Him. Then we get to the A. The A is what most of us do generally anyway. And the A stands for ask. Ask. This is where we take our petitions to God. 
This is where we take our intercessions to God. Hopefully, we're all practicing some intercession. If you're not familiar with that word, intercession or intercessory prayer is basically praying on the behalf of others. We're really good about, about praying for ourselves, and that's fine. God, you know, God wants us to pray about whatever's on our hearts. I believe that wholeheartedly. Nothing's too small for God, for His for His concern. Um, so we have our we have our we have intercessions, prayers that we pray for other people, and, and we have our own petitions that we, that we take before before God, and that's the A P R A A stands for ask, and the Y stands for yield, and that means yielding to God, and we can do this in a number of ways. I think this is. This is probably an area in, in our prayer lives where most of us, most of us probably struggle, and that is that is just to to be able to sit, and to listen to God, and I want to talk about that in just a second. Do we listen to God? And this is where the yielding comes in, because I don't think a lot of us do that. I think a lot of us are really good at talking, at God. I think a lot of us self-included, are very good at asking God for the things that we want or, or the things that we need or the things that we think we need. We're really good at that part of prayer. What we're not so good at a lot of times is the yielding part, is the listening to God. Prayer is a two-way conversation. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not a one-way, uh, it's not a one-person or one-sided conversation. It, it, prayer runs both ways. And yes, we do listen to God. Maybe, maybe, and in most cases, of course, that's not going to be an outward, audible voice. Generally, God speaks to us in, through the whispers of our heart. But we do have that. We do have that obligation, and I, and I almost, almost, uh, well, not, not say the word obligation, uh, but that's kind of what it is. You know, that obligation to listen as well as speak. Because God's talking to us. God is always talking to us. And especially, especially during these sit-down, set-aside, formal times of prayer, I believe God is, is, is especially talking to us when we open that door for Him, when we, when we open that, our, our hearts to Him and, and yield to His presence and yield to His Word. We all, he's also reveals, reveals, the Bible oftentimes is called the Word. There's another way that He speaks to us, that He reveals Himself to us. So we learn to yield. And we learn to listen. So use that acronym next time you go into your into your prayer closet, or the next time you set aside a few minutes to pray. P, pause. R, reflect, rejoice. A, ask. And Y, yield. That is a wonderful, wonderful model for beginning a, a fruitful prayer life, and a and a and a, and a wonderful, wonderful uh, relationship with God the Father. So what I want to do today is I want to end with a prayer, with the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Now, we pray this at our church when, when we were meeting every, every week, and, and most of us know it as the Lord's Prayer. And so what I want to do, we haven't done this in a while, is I want to end today, um, wherever you are, if you will pray this with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, 
and the glory forever. Amen. And as always, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.